William Pitt Root writes, to say this fine fall morning that joy is in the air is true, courtesy of KSUTFM, broadcasting from the Southern Ute Reservation. This startling cut from the CD titled Letter from the 20th Century, half read, half sung, is one of many created by Joy Harjo and her band, Poetic Justice. That Harjo the poet has also become Harjo the singer and Harjo the saxophonist is well known among her fans, less so among newer readers. All this is a far cry from her childhood in rural Oklahoma, being born the oldest of four children in Tulsa in 1951 into a family of Muscogee, Creek, and Scots-Irish. Song language was her first experience with poetry, she says. By four years old, I knew the lyrics to most songs I heard from my mother, the radio, or school. The qualities that stood out, that entranced me, were rhythm, married with sound, sense, and meaning. Poems connected with my soul. During her career, she has steadily intensified her efforts to contain language in ever more musical forms, to make it go, like music alone, straight to the heart with as little mediation as possible. Each beloved leader makes a path for the rest. Words from About Joy Harjo, a profile by William Pitt Root in Plowshares, speaking just then about Harjo's efforts to work with language in a musical way, to make it go like music does, straight to the heart. And we hear the drum throughout this piece, feeling the drum, the heartbeat of the earth, reminding us of our earthiness, going straight to our heart. Keep the fire going as she passes by. And a young musician we'll soon meet senses the heartbeat alive in these lines in Harjo's poem titled Remember. Remember the earth whose skin you are, red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth, we are earth. And as a composer, Julia selects a timpani to ground sections of the verses from that very poem which she has set to music. A poem that asks us not just to think about who we are and our place in the world, discussing such matters might be fine, as long as we include everyone and everything in the conversation, and as long as we listen to the moon, say, and our mother, the animals and trees, the wind. The poem asks us to feel who we are, to experience our place in the universe. Julia and the other members of the esteemed Bel Canto Youth Chorus have spent many months asking questions so fundamental to our humanity in and through the music they make. And all that exploration before Julia discovered the poem Remember by Joy Harjo, becoming, as it has, an emblem of the singers in their seeking and celebrating each other and their community and the world at large. 
Bel Canto is the youth performance arm of the Bach Choir of Bethlehem, founded 30 years ago by Dr. Joy Hirakawa, who is the artistic director. Johann Sebastian Bach is certainly a major composer whose work immerses us in such fundamental human matters. Who are we? Who we are? What is our place in the world, the very universe? And as it happens, the Chacon Project, developed by Dr. Larry Lipkis, professor of music and composer in residence at Moravian College, centering on the music of Bach, has given young musicians responding to Bach and creating variations of their own a chance to explore the act of composition. And that project has become a doorway. It was during this adventure that the exceptional talents of an eighth grader from the Poconos stood out, Julia Sobrinsky, was soon invited to compose an original work for the Bel Canto Youth Chorus to perform as part of the ensemble's spring concert titled Family Tree, marking Bel Canto's 30th anniversary, with another performance at the 115th Bethlehem Bach Festival, May 13th and 20th on those dates. We had a chance to speak by phone with Julia Sobrinsky, Dr. Joy Hirakawa, and Dr. Larry Lipkis to learn more about Julia, her creative adventure, and the world premiere this Saturday of Remember. Dr. Hirakawa sets the stage. Bel Canto started 30 years ago. We are celebrating this year our 30th anniversary, which is kind of unbelievable to me. We began in the Upper Perkiomen Valley and five years ago moved to the Lehigh Valley and merged with the Bach Choir of Bethlehem primarily because I wanted to be in a more urban environment. I wanted to reach a wider swath of diversity of youth and children. We have two ensembles and more advanced ensemble, our concert choir and our younger singers, our preparatory choirs, and we're doing auditions coming up in May. So I, I hope that some of our listeners will avail themselves of that opportunity. We have a very broad approach uh, it's not just getting up and singing songs and putting on a concert. We we really go deep into the repertoire. We go into a lot of history and background. We uh, address a lot of complex world issues, quite honestly, through our musical approach. So it makes it much more understandable and interesting for the singers in the choir. We teach musicianship. We teach vocal technique. It's, it's a very broad-based kind of experience for all of our singers. We are having our spring concert on Saturday, May 6th at 4 o'clock. It will be at the Wesley United Methodist Church on Center Street in Bethlehem. And it is called Roots and Branches. Our idea was to, after a year of really examining a variety of populations in the Lehigh Valley, one of our most important ones was looking at the African-American populations and the experience of the Underground Railroad as it came through our Lehigh Valley in the 1800s. That was a huge project of ours for 2021. And then last year, we looked at our experience coming out of COVID. So this year, our Roots and Branches theme looks at who, who are we here in the Lehigh Valley and what is our history, what is our background including the immigrant experience coming from, uh, in the Lehigh Valley anyway, so many people coming from the Eastern and Western European and British Isles. 
And that immigrant experience of, you know, how does that color who we are here? We're, we're singing repertoire that comes from the historical backgrounds, the cultural backgrounds of our singers. So we're singing a Korean song, a, a Colombian song, and a Puerto Rican song. We are looking also at the influence of our ancestors and, and how that experience, whether it's a newly immigrated to the area or several generations back, or perhaps even as far back as our ancestors going back to the enslaved people coming through on the Underground Railroad. Well, how does that color who we are today and what messages do our ancestors have for us as we look to the future? So it's it's a very uh, reflective kind of program and also kind of reflective of our 30 years, you know, and, and kind of celebrating that. So Julia took this idea and ran with it. Julia, before we get to the specifics of your composition, what drew you to bel canto? And had you been singing all along as you were a little one and this was a natural step? Yeah, absolutely. My mom is actually a choir director at my high school, and it's always been such a large part of my life just to be surrounded by music. And I remember I've been in bel canto since third grade, and we discovered it through some mutual friend and found it, and she was just kind of asked me if I'd like to consider joining a choir, and I was thinking, of course I would. And I'm so glad I said yes when I was eight years old because it's been one of the most formative experiences that I've had. And it's been so consistent throughout my life because it's been something I can always come back to and see my friends each week. And it's where I've learned so much about music and different kinds of music and how it connects us with other people. And I think that's really important about this specific program because that's really what we're learning. It's the universal language of our backgrounds and who we are. And I think that Belcanto has been such a prominent factor in my education of music and singing and just being a human. And so, Julia, you could be a singer, you could be a cellist, because you are a cellist, aren't you, as well? I do play cello, yes. (laughs) When did you have an urge to set things down? And as a little one, did you hear melodies in your head? I think since I was very little, I've always had those kind of ideas. Um, Used to make up songs and sing them to my parents in the living room, and we have many videos of that. But the first time that I really dug into composition was last summer and spring, actually. We did the Chacon Project with the Bach Choir um, that Dr. Larry Lipkis is in charge of. And it's basically a program with about a dozen other high school-aged musicians. And we're, we're all different types of instrumentalists or vocalists. And we all wrote a variation on a theme of Bach's Chacon in D minor, of the partita from that. And it was based on that chord progression, and we all wrote our own melodies and performed them together. And that was my first real opportunity to set stuff down and write it as music. And since then, I've worked with him several times. Also, earlier this year with Del Canto, we did variations on um, a Bach chorale that the choir did our own individual ones together in small groups. And so that was really my beginning of doing actual legitimate composition with writing down the music, and it's kind of liberating to feel like you can be a part of that, too. This is not that. This is music that you are hearing and creating, and you have to go out and seek a text? Correct, yes. So it's it's a similar idea, but it's a lot more... <laughs> kind of, um, the broad category makes it a little bit more challenging, for sure. 
And you must be a reader as well as a musician and lover of music. Do you love reading and poetry? I do, yeah. And I was really had a nice time when I was first beginning this and looking for a text because there's such a plethora of poetry out there that is so beautiful. And the poem that I ended up using really just made me fall in love with it. But just to have the opportunity to look at all these beautiful texts was really, really special. Well, introduce us to the poem you've chosen. Yes. The poem that I've set to music is Remember by Joy Harjo. She's the former U.S. Poet Laureate, and it's really, really gorgeous. What I remember writing is it emphasizes our roots as humans through our connections with nature and also our cultural and familial roots. And what I really love about it is Joy Harjo is a Native American poet, and that's reflected a lot in her text because it talks about our relationships with nature and our ancestors and that kind of spiritual side of being a part of our universe and being connected to each other. And it's really important to me to amplify those voices and remember the important things upon which we were founded and how we came to be as a people. You must have dropped your jaw figuratively, maybe literally, Dr. Joy, when you saw her choice. Well, I did, and I remember very clearly when she sent me the poem that I immediately wrote back to Julia, and I said, this is the keystone for our program. It it ties everything together that we're talking about in the program, this connection, the interconnectedness between people, the idea of looking backwards and hearing the voices of our ancestors and of our environment and how does that influence and help us to determine where do we look to in the future. And it really just captured the whole sense of the program in a way that just was remarkable, really remarkable. Did you hear music as soon as you started to read it or... Did you go through it a lot, live with it, and then come to it and say, what do I hear for this? Yeah, absolutely. The first couple of days, I really just sat and poured over it. And I remember sitting at the piano and coming up with the main theme of Remember, which is actually in the instrumentation, not the poem itself. But the one repeated word throughout the entire poem is Remember. And it's composed through, so there's no real verse chorus, but there are, I would say, four sections that you can really divide it into because you begin with talking about like remembering the celestial things like the sky, the stars, the moon, the sun, and then you go on and you speak about your parents and your mother and your father, your ancestors, and then next you have the earth, and then there's kind of this ending theme at the very conclusion of the poem that's saying, remember you are all people and all people are you. Remember, you are this universe, and this universe is you. And because of each of those distinct sections, they're all tied together with that instrumentation that I came up with initially. But each verse is slightly different. Each section is different because they all hold different symbolic meanings. So I would say that I started section by section and tried to have the text to reflect my music setting the best that it could. By the time you get to the end where we're all in all, it must be a challenge to think about how do I render that sense where we're each our own, but we're all in all, kind of the cosmic sense. Where did you go in your, in your memory or your imagination for that? Oh, absolutely. I'd like to say that there's lots of text painting in this whole piece, and 
Originally, I had a lot more of it a cappella, and then I realized that there were moments like when we would sing something like We Are Earth, I could bring everyone in there, including the instruments, to signify those kind of things, the more unifying factors. And then there were some lines where I thought unison was a more important tool to use because it really makes a stronger message. But as the piece goes on and there's all these things happening at once, I liked to have some of the things intertwined, and I really thought about how, you know, we're all uniquely different, and somehow we can still come together to make this beautiful sound. So there's definitely lots of growths and shrinkings in the part divisions, because there are times and places for both. I, I would say, too, that what's interesting is, because the text is so central, and the message uh, of the text is so central to this piece, Maybe, Julia, you could talk a little bit about how you chose the specific instruments and what you wanted to convey with the specific instruments. Because as a conductor teaching this piece to the choir, what I walk away with is that the the choir is a narration and the instruments kind of embroider and, and embellish this text in an aural sense. And you had very specific purposes in mind for each of the instruments. Yes, absolutely. There was definitely strong intentions with each of them. The cello is what contains the piece's theme that recurs throughout the piece, and it provides a foundation for the voices as well, kind of like the earth beneath our feet. And then the other instruments, you can hear the glockenspiel in the beginning representing the stars, just little tinkles in the beginning. The flute also acts as the wind. So when we sing Remember the Wind, there's just a flute line kind of floating over top. And the violins illustrate the universe above us. There's often playing harmonics just in a simple harmony together. So that's kind of that celestial feeling above us. And then the timpani, there's a little short, long motif in the middle, and it serves as the collective heartbeat of our earth and bodies. And when you hear the words red earth, brown earth, black earth, yellow earth, it's that same short, long, short, long, kind of like a heartbeat. And so the timpani reflects that too. So there's definitely very specific intentions that I was trying to illustrate with the instruments. This is quite sophisticated as a composition for your first one, isn't it, Dr. Joyce? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's quite remarkable. When, when she first sent it to me, my jaw kind of dropped and said, oh my goodness, this is the first, the first major composition. And I'll tell you, I have had the uh, occasion to be a uh, judge on composition competitions, and I, I have to say that this competition, I've already told Julia, I think we need to submit it for some competitions and, and really get it out there, perhaps even submit it for publication, because it's it's really a lovely piece of music. It is sophisticated. There's a lot of really careful thought put into it. And honestly, you know, when I first looked at it, I thought, wait, this is going to be hard to teach, but it's, it's turning out to be very singable, which uh, not every new piece of music is, but it's very singable, and the choir is doing a, a really nice job performing it, I think. I, I hope Julia is happy with what the choir is doing with it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, it's so wonderful to hear what was previously just a MIDI file actually come to life with real voices. And they're your friends as you describe it, because you've been with Bel Canto for so long. So what does it mean to be making this piece with your friends, your colleagues, people you know, and you've been working on these themes, larger themes, together for so long? Words can't describe that. It's it's really, really wonderful. I feel so lucky to 
be in this group with so many people that all care about each other and uplift each other. And it's really amazing because I, I knew I was writing for Belcanto from the minute I started writing down the piece. And that definitely contributed to how I wrote it because I knew the voices in the choir. And now hearing it come to life and knowing and loving these people is beyond explanation. It's, it's so awesome. I'm really, really enjoying it. It's just so nice to have so many people in the same room all be so dedicated to the same craft and the same thing. And we all are passionate about the same thing. And so to have everyone committed to my music is really beyond what I could have asked for. And what have you chosen, Dr. George, to surround this piece with on the concert? Well, our concert is kind of laid out in four sections. We're kind of giving a nod to, first of all, our our roots in Western music and the music of Bach and the music of the Western classical music. So we are singing Bach and Foray and a nod to Mozart. It's rather humorous that everybody's having a lot of fun with. And then we have our section on our music of our immigrant families and this storyline of, uh, of immigrants coming to the United States. And then following it, we have some very reflective music, actually. It, they kind of lead to each other after, uh, remember, we're going to be doing uh, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? And a piece by Joan Shimko called It Takes a Village, which it's from the African proverb, It Takes a Village to Raise Our Children, which I think everybody can relate to, especially in, in our contemporary society today. And, and this idea of finding home and how all of this creates our home and creates our home base and how we find our home with the people around us as well as our ancestors and, and that all of this will support our next generations moving forward. Did you contact her? How did you get Joe Harjo's okay to set this piece? Yes, that was one of the biggest learning curves, I think, in the beginning of this process. I reached out through Joy Harjo's website and also eventually to the agency that represents her. And that was where initially I got the rights to set the text to music and perform it. And then I also had to reach out separately to a publishing agency that publishes her work so I could have permission to print the text in the programs. So that was the really first step of this whole thing was making sure that I could have the rights to do it. And this whole process has been so wonderful to learn all of that because it's skills that will be useful for every endeavor in the future, composing or otherwise. So, yes, I did get to reach out to her, and I'm very excited that we were fortunate enough to get those rights, and I'm very thankful that they let us. You know, I I, um, have a a huge amount of gratitude for Dr. Larry Lipkis for helping to guide Julia through this process because it's not a situation where you come up with an idea and you just write and put your ideas down on paper. You know, it is finding the poem. It is getting the permissions and all of those legal pieces that have to take place before, you know, you can actually do it. And then once the piece is finished, I know that Julia shared that there were very specific requirements that came from Joy Harjo's end of things. And, you know, she couldn't alter the text at all. She couldn't do any repeats. It had to be written exactly the way the poem is written 
And then once the music was on paper, it was all of the edits and then going back and recreating a piano score, what we call a piano reduction, where the instrumental parts are reduced into a playable version for a piano so that our accompanist could help support us in the rehearsal with the instrumental parts. And then it's creating the instrumental parts and, you know, going back through all of this multiple, multiple times to uh, make sure that we had all of the edits exactly right. It, it is a very complicated and long process that I don't know that Julia knew what she was getting into when she first took on the project. I absolutely um, did not. <laughs> so I, I have a huge amount of thanks for Dr. Lipkis for guiding Julia through it because there was a lot of going back and forth that he helped, uh, helped her with on that. Dr. Joy Hirakawa, founder and artistic director of the Belcanto Youth Chorus, thanking Dr. Larry Lipkis for his commitment to this project and for what he has inaugurated. And we had a chance to speak with Dr. Lipkis by phone about this journey. Music lovers, people listening to our conversation, will think when they hear music by Mozart or Mendelssohn and we hear about these precocious composers, young musicians who are able to compose at 12 and those sorts of things. What are the gifts that someone like Julia might have that would allow her so early to be so perceptive? Well, I think she's very, she's very bright. She's a quick learner. She's extremely articulate in her speaking and her writing, really way, way beyond her years, kind of at the college level. And she's very creative. And I think also her experience singing with Belcanto, playing the cello, has helped her. And with Belcanto, they sing a wide variety of music, of course, and they do Bach as well. So I think she listens very intently and she internalizes the sounds that she's been singing, she's been hearing with the Belcanto choir. And I think that informs her her writing style to, to a large degree. You used the word style just then. Is there a way to characterize the piece that she has created, setting the poem by Joy Harjo? Well, it's, it's very accessible, but it's challenging. It's, it's tonal, meaning it's in a key. It's in the key of B major, which has five sharps, which is not easy. It's not easy for the instrumentalists. It's not easy for the accompanists and the singers. It's tonal, but it has some very interesting twists in it along the way. We talked about how, how best to set this, and I, I said, you know, you really could write for some instruments as well to accompany the choir. And she chose instruments that she felt would complement the text, and she had a lot of ideas. She kept it fairly simple and light. And this is a challenge because Belcanto doesn't usually sing with orchestral instruments, so this will be a first for them. She also wanted to feature the artist in residence, the cellist Loretta O'Sullivan, who has been all year she's been working with Belcanto. She's the artist in residence for the festival, and she's just a, a wonderful, wonderful cellist who I think will really find this a very rewarding piece, but again, quite challenging. So Julia, she's you know stretching. She's, she's really having the players play rapidly, very high up, and it's all in the service of how she wants to express the text, so none of it is gratuitous. You know, we looked at every bit of it. We studied the text together and came up with some interesting ideas, and every note of this is out of her imagination. So I, I would say the vocabulary or the style is very rooted in, in the key of, of B major, and it's accessible, but it does have some interesting twists that are, I think, appropriate to the text. 
It's really exciting to hear you talk about this and the creative process. Do you remember what you were doing in eighth grade, Larry, as a, <laughs> musically? I, I wasn't doing this. I, I was actually trying to write like a musical for my junior high school. And it was it was really kind of popular, more, I, I would say, what it didn't have the veneer. It was no, nowhere near as sophisticated and forward-looking as Julie. And I, this was really her vocabulary. I wasn't, as her teacher, I wasn't really pushing her to express it in any particular way, but this is what she wanted to do. So it's much more advanced than what I was doing at that age. It took me a little while to, <laughs> to catch up to where she is now, probably by late high school or even college. So she's she's on a very impressive path right now. She's in the ninth grade, but you know she's writing at the level that some of, you know my college students are writing at. So I just am very excited to see where where she will go next and what trajectory she's on. But it's quite exciting for me to work with her. I feel very pleased and you know really honored to be working with her. Dr. Larry Lipkis, professor of music and composer in residence at Moravian College in Bethlehem. We heard from Dr. Lipkis and Dr. Joy Hirakawa, founder and artistic director of the Bel Canto Youth Chorus, the youth performance arm of the Bach Choir of Bethlehem, and the Bel Canto Chorister, Julia Sobrinsky from the Poconos, who was invited to compose an original work for the Bel Canto Youth Chorus to perform as part of the ensemble's spring concert marking Bel Canto's 30th anniversary. And that concert will take place on May 6th at 4 in the afternoon at Wesley United Methodist Church. And it is a concert that is open to the public. Tickets will be available online or at the door. This anniversary concert will feature music of Bach, Mozart, Gabriel Fauré, and reflect on the family histories and remembrances of the members of the chorus and the members of the community at large, all under the direction of Dr. Joy Hirakawa. And for more information, you can check the Bach website, and that's bach.org, bach.org and look for Bel Canto, B-E-L-C-A-N-T-O, the Bel Canto Youth Chorus of the Bach Choir of Bethlehem, announcing its 30th anniversary spring concert, and of course, the centerpiece of the concert will be Remember, a new composition by Bel Canto Chorister Julia Sobrinsky, one of our guests today, and that work will be premiered using the poetry of Joy Harjo and including special guest cellist Loretta O'Sullivan. That's the concert celebrating 30 years of the Bel Canto Youth Chorus, May 6th at 4 p.m., and that's at Wesley United Methodist Church. For more information on the web, bach.org, B-A-C-H dot org. And if you have been struck by what you've just heard about the Bel Canto Youth Chorus, the annual audition interviews for membership in the chorus will get underway on May 15th and will continue into June. And that would be May 15th, May 20th, May 22nd, and June 6th. Singers will introduce themselves, sing several scales and a familiar song, and 
a little bit more, but a prepared piece is not required, and the choir is open to children and youth ages 7 to 18, both for the preparatory chorus ages 7 through 12 and the concert choir 12 through 18. For more information on the web, bach.org, bach.org.